I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Ryan Meeks, and after years of trying to make life work as a struggling artist, independent filmmaker, and musician, I thought to myself, hey, self, wouldn't it be helpful to ask other artists how they're finding their path in this world? And so now, that's exactly what I'm doing on a bi-weekly basis. Welcome to the Path of Art. Welcome to the Path of Art. I'm Ryan Meeks, and today we have Jeff Gaither. So, Jeff, you may recognize some of his work from uh, band art. For He's done multiple bands. Uh, one that you might uh, know very well off the top of your head is The Misfits. He, he's also done, done art for artists such as Municipal Waste, Testament, uh, The Undead, uh, Murder Junkies. Uh, there's, there's a long list here. I mean, uh, even Guns N' Roses is on here. So um, I, I'm just so excited to hear hear more about the art that you've created for these bands. So welcome to the show, Jeff. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so tell me, what is your most known pieces that you've done for these bands? Uh, I would say the most known one is an album cover I did 30 years ago, and it was uh, an album for The Accused. And it's called The Maddest uh, Stories Ever Told. And I actually did it with another artist called, uh, his name was R.K. Sloan, and he has passed away since then. But everybody seems to know that. And then another one is a logo that I did for Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies, which was a skull and a syringe and a, um, a dagger that was crossed behind it. And I have seen that thing tattooed everywhere on the human body and and when i don't know within a year or so before he died he actually had it tattooed on the back of his head isn't that the highest form of flattery is when someone imitates you uh it's it's crazy that's for sure (laughs) i've had people have my artwork tattooed on them all over the world but what's really bizarre is People send me pictures of the tattoos, and they'll mm-hmm. have my copyright and my name on them. And I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? All I oh, wow. ask is, you know, just send me a picture of it. I don't care if you get a tattoo. Just send me a picture. And I guess they think that I, I, I mean, you know, to put my copyright on it. And it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'd, so, so does that mean that you own that patch of skin? 
I should I should tell him when you die, pack it up and send it to me. <laughs> That's great. Well, tell me about your most recent work. What have you done lately? Well, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, I did uh, post. I did an album cover for Potbelly. Uh, a DOA. I just did a poster. Uh, um, a million dead cops. I did a poster for them. Uh, I well, actually, the accused. That album I told just told you about. I did mm-hmm. thirty years ago, and I got back in touch with the band, and so. I did skateboard shirts for them, and, and fans found out about it, and they've been wanting me to redo the album covers for them because I sold the original, and the second one I did for the accused, the artwork was lost, but they, the record label actually took a small panel from a comic I did and blew it up but never told me about it. So what I did was I thought, I'm going to redo it and hit the band up to – uh, reissue it, but I thought, you know what, I have a better idea. I did a print that was 12 by 12 so fans could buy it and slip it into the album, the sleeve, and it'd be mm. a brand new updated version for the album cover. Oh, nice. And then That's cool. Things, yeah. I mean, Sorry, what was that? There's a few other things. I mean, I'm, I'm always working every day, like 24-7. <laughs> So what is your process for, for creating art at specifically like at such a fast rate? It seems like you do a lot of work. And so what is, what is kind of the process that you do to create uh, an, an album cover or a t-shirt or a skateboard design? Two answers to that. The first one is it seems like a fast rate because I've been doing it all my life. So when you look at that long list of stuff, it seems like I've done a tremendous amount of work, and I have, but it's been over 40-something years. Uh, mm-hmm. And it depends on the person, band, company, whoever, collector, asked me. A lot of times, a small percentage of the time, people want really detailed, uh, give me detailed information. But most of the time, what they do is they'll give me a name or just a barely a brief idea and I come up with an ideal. And what I do is I take their what they say, their brief ideal, and I just let it sit in my head for a couple of days. And it, it just like develops. And I draw it, pencil it out. And it takes me a few, like maybe 15, 20 minutes to pencil it out. I send it to them for approval. Then I, and it depends on, you know, what material I use. But most of the time for publication, I use inks. Ink it in, and then use Photoshop to do the colors. Yeah. So you actually use physical, uh, a physical medium, or to create your initial uh, product, just or, or your draft, essentially, yeah. and then you convert it into something digital. Right. Yeah. I'd say like ninety uh, percent of the stuff that people see of mine is hand drawn with pencil and Indian ink. Yeah, it seems to be the case that uh, most artists have different areas that they do stuff in. Like they'll focus on one, but but they have, I, I don't want to call it hobbies because it's not a hobby, but they have other things that are creative that they're, that they're working on at the same time. Right. Well, I happen to be 
I'm always working on several projects at once, it seems like. You know, I have my main list, my work list, but then I have other things that are long-term goals, and some are short-term goals, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so where do you get your inspiration for your art? The The art that I've seen has been kind of, it, I guess it could be described as macabre. There's kind of like, um, like some of it has a horror element to it, you know, and it's, and it's very, very expressive. Where, where would you say that you get most of your inspiration for that? Uh, I would say mostly when I grew up, I read like uh, monster magazines and I've always, I've just always been drawn to horror-related stuff. I mean, I collect horror toys, collect, and uh, I collect true crime stuff. And uh, my mom and my aunt both were into art and theater, and they always, you know, would um, inspire me to do artwork and stuff. And so, basically, you know, I've done artwork all my life. I've, I've Basically, uh, I have never had no art training whatsoever. And uh, there was at one point in my life that something happened that made me just quit doing everything except for drawing. And that's all I did. Hmm. And so you just kind of went forward with art at that, at that juncture in your life. Yeah, well, basically... And I want to touch on that more, more later, but like, uh, oh, that that just makes me so curious. Like what, what happened? Well, first of all, I had, and I wouldn't call them both careers because I, I didn't know they were careers at the time. I did work at a warehouse, but eventually I seen that I could move up and I moved all the way up to art director. And while I was doing that and taking care of my family, I also had my real career, which was my art that I did. And I worked at that at Mm -hmm. night time. And so if one failed, the other might succeed. But lucky for me, both succeeded. And at one point, uh, it got... I bet it got to be too much. Well, it got so stressful. It was either going to be one or the other or something I don't want to talk about. So me and my wife talked about it and I quit the art job. I was getting paid great money, but it was like... I'm going to just go ahead and dive into the pool, even though I don't know if there's water in it or not. I dived head first. <laughs> <laughs> but what the thing that you asked is, basically, and I don't advocate this at all, because I do not do no drugs or drink at all. But when I was younger, I did a lot of mixed drugs and alcohol and smoked a lot of uh, pot and stuff. and. Basically, when everybody else the next day came down and was uh, getting sober and everything, I didn't. I was still on a trip, basically, and it lasted for over a week. And it was like I was stuck in a, and even when I went outside, I felt trapped. And all the little things that you see when you do, I mean, I can't, I hate saying I do this stuff because I don't want nobody else to try it when they're younger, LSD and stuff like that. But you see patterns and stuff. And when you see that stuff for a week and you can't get out of it, I thought I was going to stay that way forever. So when eventually I come out of that dark hole, that was it. I quit smoking cigarettes. I quit drinking. I quit doing drugs. And I cut off all anybody that I had associations with that did that. 
And all I did was sit right. down and draw. And that's when I started seeing zines. And when I seen zines and seeing other people getting or, or published, I was like, you know, that's probably what I want to do. And so I started sending artwork out, photocopies to zines. And uh, what I would do is I would send, like in the back of a fanzine, most of them would review other fanzines. So what I would do is take photocopies of my artwork and send to one fanzine, okay? And say, if you use my artwork, send me a copy of the fanzine. And when they did, I would go to the back of that fanzine and there would be reviews of fanzines. And then I would do the same thing to all of those fanzines. When those fans, some of those fanzines come back, I did it to all of those. So I had, you know, tons and tons of mail going out all the time. And eventually I started putting ads with them. And I was doing free artwork for several years. And eventually it got to where, you know, people started asking about how much to do this or that. And at the same time, I was doing mini comics. Mini comics, I don't know if you know what they are, but basically it's an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. You cut it in half, mm -hmm. fold it down, and it makes an eight page little mini comic. A lot of the famous artists, like underground artists, and some even like, say, uh, Eastman and Lair from Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles, they used to do them too. And you'd sell them for a quarter. And I made a lot of contacts that way. And I think the zines and the mini comics is one of the reasons that a lot of people know me because I did hundreds and hundreds of both of those. But it then led up to shirts and logos and albums and everything else. It just sort of exploded, you know, over years and years. Yeah. So I've heard that a lot, that to to be successful, you usually have to do a lot of free work up front. Well, unfortunately, and, yeah. Yeah. And how, I mean, I, you probably don't have like a number. I don't. I doubt you kept track of how many pieces you did. But if you were to estimate, how much work did you do for free before you started to see money come in? Oh, I'd say I probably did about five or six years worth of free artwork, probably even more, because I started when I was like 16, actually sending stuff out, maybe a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. And how about after you decided to quit your other job that was paying you a lot of money? How long, how long or how much work did you do from that point before you started to see an income from your work? Oh, I was already getting as much as I was being paid at, at my regular job. I mean, okay. I, I had a work list of like 30 clients, 30 jobs, uh, uh, you know, continually. And then I had all the work mm. at my regular work, and it was getting to where I couldn't do both. It was just no way possible. Mm. And it made me, let's just say, a little insane. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I imagine so. That's a lot of work. Oh yeah. So how how do you how do you balance time uh, as an artist it, and kind of not just with you know with making sure that your artwork, but that you have time for family and you have time for your other art projects. How do you balance your time? Badly, uh, as I <laughs> like my wife would say, very badly because I'm a workaholic. Always have been. I get up and I start working and I don't stop until I go to bed, no matter what time it is. 
I work all day. And if it's not on physical art, I'm packing stuff to ship out. If it's not that, I'm learning stuff, I'm reading about it, or I'm networking, or I'm going to conventions as a guest artist. It's, it's, it's everything I do. Everything is related to art one way or another. Or like even I'm supposed to walk every day, but I don't because of my health. But even when I walk, when I walk, I take pictures of like uh, abandoned houses and stuff. And that was like you said earlier, it's like a hobby. But even in a hobby, I don't really push it. But I've had photos, you know, published from where people have seen the stuff, but I don't push it. But uh and does that ever uh, bleed into your artwork? Like we go out and take a picture of some cool house that looks haunted or something, and then it turns up in a piece that you draw sometime down the road? Um, yes. But uh, it's not in a way you think. It's hard to describe this because I have I, I take pictures of people, and it, it's, a, it's a long thing, but I, I did a research on this. And I found a style that I don't think nobody else has. And I'm, and it looks nothing like what I'm doing at all, period. It's not horror related. And it don't look, to me, I've looked in tons of books and all kinds of different artist books. I've not seen anything like it. And I'm doing a series of paintings based on this new style. And the show that I'm going to be doing is called, um, Girls and Guns. Some of the paintings are like 60 by 70 and a half inches big. And they're, you know, I'm using latex paint because I can't afford acrylic to do paintings that big. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then uh, we'll be back. We're, te- we're talking with Jeff Gaither about his art. He's done art for the Misfits, uh, Guns N' Roses, just many different bands. And we're going to be talking about the the path that he took to get there i mean we touched on it a little bit but we'll be talking about some more specific stuff when we get back a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon but violence is only the beginning of this story sometimes i thought there are no miracles yeah there are and this is a big one I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Path of Art. We're talking with Jeff Gaither, uh, graphic artist, uh, painter he's he's done all kinds of art and he's done a lot for bands uh that you most likely have seen uh so jeff what got you interested in art i mean we kind of talked about that experience that you had that kind of pushed you into it but um like what got you interested in doing art like in the first place oh well i've always been interested in drawing but Looking back, uh, the main thing, the first, very first thing was, uh, I collected comics and I would draw and copy Marvel comic book characters. And then eventually, you know, it sort of transitioned over to drawing, you know, the little freaky looking, uh, superheroes 
to where it eventually become my own style over a period of time. But uh, I, at the time, I collected like uh, Ed Roth's toys and stuff, which later on I worked for for about five years, which, you know, blew my mind. I never thought that when I was drawing, collecting stickers and and Roth stuff and playing with little Roth toys that later I'd actually be working for the man. And uh, it's just just one of those things, you know. It's like within the not going to school and everything, I'm I'm self-taught. And really, because of what I told you earlier about, you know, switching over to doing nothing but art. I know it sounds cliche, but it's like, you know, art saved my life. Also, most of my life I've had uh, anxiety problems, and art saves, it, it calms me, it puts me in a different zone, and uh, the cliche part is, it's like art has saved my life. Uh, if it wasn't for art, no telling what I would be doing, because, I, you know, two things, besides 10 years with my wife, two things have always been by my side, the shadow, my shadow, and my art. And they always will be. And that is what you say about art calming you is so true. Uh, When I paint or draw, it kind of, it's almost like a meditation, you know, where, where you're able to calm yourself and just focus on one thing. Well, yeah. And I find it very calming. Time passes differently too. I've heard somebody say that there's Mm -hmm. a word for it, but I don't remember what it is. But I can draw, and it's like my wife will be, you've been in here drawing for five hours. And I'll be like, well, I don't feel like it, you know. It's like you just get into that air. You mean, you mean it was it was 10 minutes? What are you talking about? You know, you just get into a different zone, totally different zone. Hmm. Right. And so uh, tell me about... Uh, we, we talked about kind of your leap of faith, which was an amazing story, by the way. But what led to your first success well, in art? It depends on what you call success, because I, I think that the first time someone bought uh, or paid for an album, that was a, a success for me, because it was like you're doing all that free work and and over those years, and it was this, a band called The Sick Kids, and I finally did an album cover. <clears throat> Since then, I've done over over 400 album covers. And then there's the time I worked with uh, Raw. Uh, what was the question? Uh, when was your, like, what was your first success and, that kind of... And I would say... Yeah, the, the first success that, that you had. And uh, actually... Uh, working with Roth and uh, just moving forward all the time, you know, just just being persistent and moving forward, you know. I can't really think of a, a specific time. Now I think of times that uh, are like my, my favorite things that I've done. Not, and I guess I would say honored too, but, uh, you know, uh, like I'm in, into horror big time, and uh, I watched uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead and Texas Chainsaw Massacre when they first come out, and later on, uh, well, it's been a few years, but I did work with the zombies from Dawn of the Dead, 
and I did posters of shirts mm. for them just a few months ago. Ed Neal, Edward Neal, uh, the the, uh, the hitchhiker from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I did a poster for him to sign at conventions, and then I did uh, a poster for uh, uh, Casey Hendershot. He did stuff for Michael Myers. And it's like, you know, all these people, mm-hmm. not him, but the other, the other ones, there's stuff I did when I was a kid, watched, and then later on, I'm older, I'm doing work for. It's like, you know, it's like a dream come true for somebody that's into horror. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last year, I actually interviewed uh, Brett Wagner. He was uh, Leatherface, uh, I think it was in the 2003 yeah. um uh, chainsaw massacre and so uh, w- with that interview i also visited him at a he was visiting utah and he went to a um a haunted house and uh it was just cool to see him interact with a lot of people that are just really into the horror genre you know there really is a a, a niche for oh, it there is i mean you know it's a sort of a hard road to tell because it's a, it's a small one but if you do it right, you can you can make money off of it. And uh, but it requires a, a lot mm-hmm. of work, a lot. Tell me something that you wish that you had known before you decided to do art. Uh, was there anything that that you were you wish that, that well that might have given you a you know a better understanding of doing art as your career? Before, if you knew that beforehand, maybe stay in school and learn more about art, art history, uh, because everything I've learned about art is through over the years. I had to learn myself, you know what I mean. And uh, maybe if I'd have learned it at a little bit earlier age, things would have been a little bit different. Of course, may have changed things drastically, and. I would not be the way I am today. So who knows? It could have went totally different. Do you have any favorite artists? Uh, well, besides Ed Roth, I like uh, XNO, R.K. Sloan, Yeager, uh, Salvador Dali, uh, Picasso, um, a, a wide variety of artists, really. Was there ever a point in your career that you thought it might not be working out? And if so, how did, how were you able to get past that doubt? Mm, I never did really think that way, ever. I know that sounds mm. sort of big-headed, but when I worked in the factory job, moving up to art director and in the, my real career, I just always looked forward. I was just persistent in what I did. That's that's really amazing, uh, yeah. Because I, I to to have that focus that you're this is what you're doing and and never doubt yourself. That's like a superpower. Well, I, okay, I do doubt myself because every drawing I do <laughs> uh, or everything I work on, I'm always like, I hate this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my wife's like. You say that about everything, and it turns out great. <laughs> so I doubt myself individually on pieces. Gotcha. 
So how would a how would someone that's starting out as a as an artist how how would someone navigate this industry? I mean, there, I, I'm sure there's a lot of moving components. You know, no situation is the same. But um, is there anything that someone that is starting out should be focusing well, on, especially when well, they're starting? When they're young, I think basically they should stay, not stay in their pigeonhole. A lot of people, and when they're young, they just seem to draw the same thing over and over and over. And a lot of the young people that talk to me, I always tell them, you know, draw your shoes, draw the TV, draw different things that you don't normally draw because later on it's going to help you draw better later on. Nobody ever listens to me, though. You know how it goes. Teenagers and young people, they, they know everything. But, you know, like anatomy, most of my anatomy drawings, if you look at them, they're always freaks and stuff. And if I would have learned how to draw anatomy, maybe some of my, my pictures would be a little bit different now. But uh, that would be one. And if they were a little bit older to navigate the industry, I would say, you know, uh, developing a strong portfolio, uh, networking, um, like maybe collaborating with different artists. Um, staying informed as best you can, or at least trying, not following trends, but at least being aware of them, uh, watching what other artists do. And the, the most important one is be persistent. Don't worry about what other people say. Do what you do, and the audience will find you. So is there a fine line between getting feedback or constructive criticism and also just not listening to naysayers? Mm. Well, most of the people that don't like my stuff don't tell me so. So, you know what I mean? They either hate my guts and won't say nothing. And the fans I have like my stuff and are always telling me, you know, how good it is or how great it is. And so I don't really get that much criticism except for my wife. And she tells me that needs to change. And usually she's right. So you have, you have a trusted person that is always with you and could readily give you that, uh, that criticism or that uh, yeah, I'm that advice. Any questions about my art? I show her all I do and ask her, "What do you think about this?" And plus, we work together on some side projects and stuff. It seems like you have an amazing relationship there. Yeah, we work together on a lot of stuff. She so, takes care of a lot of things, like you know, uh, sending out mail, and she handles promotions sometimes and uh, talks to fans. She's actually got, she actually talks to like some rock people that I don't know personally, that she knows personally. <laughs> I did work for her. She knows her more than I do. <laughs> so uh, before we go, Jeff, what are some things that you're working on now that okay, people can well, check out? I've got some other projects going on. One is my painting series with the new style. It's called uh, Girls and Guns, 
and it's going to be between 30 and 35 paintings. And I don't normally do galleries, but these are going to be gallery-sized paintings, very large to medium-sized. And uh, it's a style that I don't think that nobody's ever seen. Also, I'm working on a book with three other artists called Brain Scum, where we all jam together. And then the last thing is, uh, <clears throat> later in the summer, if I can manage to get it done by then, Black House is publishing my first art book. Plus, uh, you know, if people want to, they awesome. can uh, go check out my art at my website, which is theartofgaither.com. Yeah, art, art of Gaither. It's a really cool website. I've looked over it a few times. You've got Thank some you. great stuff on there. And uh, do you have a do you have a social media presence? Are you on uh, oh, yeah, Facebook on or Instagram Facebook or anything? And, uh, it's easy to find me because it's Jeff Gaither, but my profile picture is black with crossbones and a G instead of a skull. I have really enjoyed this this interview. It's it's been a pleasure to get to know you, know more about your art, your journey, and uh, I just really want to thank you for coming well, on I the podcast. You know, believe me, it's fun. I love doing these. Yeah, it's 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 a great time. It's great to get to to know artists and and this has just been a great path to to understand a little bit more. And so those of you out there, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I hope it helped you along your journey or is helping you along your journey. Uh, make sure that you uh, download the podcast uh, and share it with your friends and family. And uh, we'll see you next time on The Path of Art. Thank you for listening to The Path of Art. If you or someone you know is creative and would like to tell your story, reach out to me at rmeeks at ksl.com. I might feature you on the if show. If you liked our conversation, please make sure you follow the show and give us a five-star rating and review. It really does help people to discover the show. Also, make sure you follow The Path of Art podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.